Welcome to Dad to the Bone podcast, where two dads sit around, we talk about dad stuff, and two different things. Number one, we pretend like we weren't just eating chips. Allegedly. <laughs> he goes, Allegedly. And we wonder, is there any other sickness anymore other than COVID? Uh, is there a thing? Or is just everything COVID? Everything is COVID. That's, yeah. COVID is everything. Everything is COVID. I get it. Everything That's starts with COVID, and then you go downhill from there. So, yeah. I'm, I'm with it. Have you ever heard the song? It's um, it's a, a Christian song. It goes, take me to the king. I don't have much to... You know the song. You're just going to keep letting me sing it. No, nah, bro. That's dirty. Because I know you know the song. I don't think I know that song. Well, anyway. Yeah. See? My heart is torn in pieces. See, you're going to keep letting me sing. That's not right. Well, I'm feeling it. I don't know it, but I mean... You anyway. want to an offering? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. My point is, every time I sneeze, I cough, I touch my eyes... Like, if something even feels a little weird, I just start hearing that song in the back of my head. Like, take me to the king. Like, it's the end. Like, like the light at the end of the tunnel, like you're at the yeah. end of the road? Like, I'm just, I'm putting my hands up. Like, it's time. It's time to go. Wait, but, no, that's a song, isn't it? Oh, to the end of the road. Well, hey, now. Hey, right? Hey, now. That's that's dad to the bone right there. Who is that? Is that Boys to Men? Yeah. Come nice. on, come on now. That's yeah, that's old school, circa ninety something. That's when MTV was the thing, and they played yeah. music videos. Yeah, when it was so, actually music TV. <laughs> yeah, when they had like different slots, like there was like the pop slot, and they did like a top ten in the morning, and oh yeah, MTV jams at like eleven or ten o'clock or something like that. And yeah, we even had like a punk hour too, or a rock hour. Oh yeah, for sure. And then TRL in the afternoon, like three or four o'clock. Yep. And that so was it was at this point in this conversation, I realized that we're old to our children. So <laughs> like MTV. Oh, is that Snooki's channel? Is that what is Jersey Shore? What is MTV? <laughs> it, well, if, if I really want to age myself, I remember the first uh, real world and uh, road rules show. So not road rules challenge, but what actual, I do too. I remember that stuff. They hopped in an RV and traveled across the country and it was entertaining for some reason. It was, it was the beginning of the end. It was the beginning of reality TV. <laughs> it was. It will. <laughs> so, hey, I feel like it's your turn to do a table topic. Table topic. Hold on, dude. I'm sitting here at my table. Hold on. Hold on. Well, do oh, you have a topic? I got a table topic right here. I'm going to pull a random one, and okay. I know you're going to be locked and loaded, ready to answer. Okay, ready? Look. Bruce. There's Bruce. a whole bunch. This is not pre-prepared. Okay. It's not Bruce. Bruce. I'm going to take this one. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite lunch? Mm, pizza. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, listen, when it comes to days of the week's meals to look forward to, you don't eat pizza. Like, because pizza today is, it's like literally like it's taco Tuesday and then it's pizza day. And so for lunch, you know, um, particularly during uh, coronavirus to provide, you know, we talked to Dr. Um, Erica about uh, habits and things like that. Yeah. And my kids always had pizza day on Wednesday. So in school. So that was one thing that carried over during the coronavirus when we were schooling from home. Okay. And Wednesday was pizza day. 
and we would switch it up. You know, we would go get, you know, Hungry Howies or Jets or, you know, we go um, to different places. But it's that pizza. That's that's a, that's a no brainer. You know, that's your favorite lunch. Uh, no. What's yours? Honestly, my favorite lunch. Because you're questioning mine. So what's yours? No, no, no. I mean, I'm with pizza. I'm with pizza. My favorite lunch is probably five guys, like five guys, burgers and fries. Like okay. I'm never at dinner time. like, man, I really want five guys, you yeah. know? Yeah. But at lunchtime, like sure. literally every day, I'm like, bro, anybody yeah. around here go for five guys? Anybody want five guys? Yeah. I, I think I, that makes more sense because you see at lunchtime, um, you don't have to worry about indigestion. Can you go to sleep? <laughs> with them with them uh, Cajun fries too? Ooh. Well, they do what you wish they would do at other restaurants, and they like they fill the cup up, and then they look at you and they smile, and then they dump more in the bag. Yep. Yeah. Like, Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's all good stuff. It is, man. Well, speaking of good stuff, I'm excited, incredibly excited to. Um, this season, we've made it a point to bring on a dad to be a part of our conversation um, every episode to share their experience and to share their story. We've talked to dads who have kids who are older and dads who have kids who are younger and everywhere in between. And along the way, Sam and I have always shared our story about our our ongoing adventures through fatherhood, be it sneaking in a stack before you record a uh, podcast or it be a uh, uh, what you have going on with the kids at school. And today we're going to talk to uh, someone who I see is just an all around awesome human being, a musician and a father to be. And um, Leo Batista. Leo is from the uh, Madison Heights slash Sterling Heights area. He is married and uh, he moved down to Nashville where he's uh, working on his uh, music career. And uh, in addition to being a dad to be. And so um, welcome to the conversation, our friend and Papa to be, Leo Batista. How are you, buddy? Leo! Hey, I'm doing yeah. great. I'm so excited to be here. All, <laughs> the, way, all the way from Nastyville. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> Leo, here's something I do consistently, which is leave out a lot of the good parts about you. So why don't you introduce yourself for all the things that I might have missed? Yeah. Sure thing. So, um, man. I'm always really bad at, at these things. Uh, well, like Quinn said, my name is Leo Bautista. I am uh, 28 as of this year. Wow, that's old. <laughs> and I'm do that to you. You're young, man. Don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel, I feel, I feel it. I feel like I'm a baby having about to have a baby. Um, baby. I, yeah, <laughs> like Justin Bieber. Yeah. Um, yeah, originally from the Sterling Heights Warren-ish area, I worked at uh, Central Church in Madison Heights. That's how I know y'all. Uh, and um, yeah, moved to Nashville um, in 2018, um, and have just been kind of rocking and rolling down here. And um, like when said, uh, musician, songwriter. Um, I am also. Uh, yeah, in a, in a band called Rival Summers, that's kind of my my main outlet for music and creativity and all that kind of stuff. So, um, wait, wait, did you did you say it was called uh, Rival Summers? Like this Rival Summers? Oh like, yeah, actually, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you had that already like set up. No man, that was totally on the fly. Yeah, I just boom, I just you know. <laughs> exactly. <Brand new. laughs> Wearing the same glasses and everything, same bald head and everything. Beautiful. I love your bald head, dude. Last yeah. time I saw you, you had hair. Yeah, 
<laughs> it was a it was a quarantine decision. I was like, you know what? It's time. It's time. It's, it's time it's, to it's just slowly going back. I'm getting a bigger forehead. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, like first, I had to shave my head and then become a dad. Like that there was. There you old. go. Yeah. Well, that's There's the determining factor. Like when when. When you're going bald, I think what really is the determining factor when you shave it is how big your forehead gets. Like when yeah. your forehead gets to a point, you're like, all right, and I'm bald. <laughs> and and that's, it's a it's an individual choice because some guys hang on forever. Some guys never give up. I mean, just like the bald head, but then long locks. Like, dude, dude, so like I have hair pretty good in the front. My problem is like my yamaka area back here. Like I'm getting like I'm I'm starting to get like a it's it's pretty thin in the back so that's a problem that's harder because I can't see it yeah. so I'll see a picture or something every once in a while and I'm like I tell my wife Amber I'm like Amber it is your responsibility <laughs> to be my eyes to the back of my head I can't see that when it's time to shave my head it's your job to let me know every day that I hold on too long. Is your fault. <laughs> I think, listen, the thing you got to do, Sam, and this is the trick to it, and like the, the it's kind of like a warm up for everybody. You just got to start cutting it shorter and shorter as you go. Like, that was a minute where me and Vin Diesel were on the same track, where like he had like, the, the dark stubble and I had the dark stubble, and then yeah. like no hair. So if you kind of, you know, because you can't go from like having hair, you can't be Hulk Hogan one day and no. then be Stone Cold Steve Austin the next. Because people, no. Are no, those were some seriously. Solid wrestling references, though. That was a solid, super great line of thought. Well, you know, when we're talking about hair loss, this is something that I can relate to. So, you know, <laughs> well, I, mean, too, I mean, like, I'm I'm following that. Like, you see the stubble there. I'm keeping it there for now. We'll yeah. see, like, how long it takes me to get to the like the shiny head bulb. You know, as long as the stubble keeps coming back, bro, let it ride. Well. <laughs> That's it. That, I think that's the true curse of being bald. Is like you're not really bald. You just are balding. So yeah. So you just shave your head. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I have it. I have hair, but you know, it just like you, Leo. It's just it's this is a part of fatherhood. So um, to talk about fatherhood, not about hair loss. Uh, <laughs> out of, Even though they are oftentimes interconnected and interwoven with one another, <laughs> they're directly interconnected. And you know, you're you're gonna be a papa here in uh, Nashville. And um, so, like, as you're looking forward to fatherhood, like, I remember being in that moment in time in my life and, like, just the love and the glow and the happiness and the weight I felt of being a father. And, like, I look forward to having my Mufasa moment where I picked up my child and I raised them up to say, and we all, you all, everyone does it as a parent. You're a liar. You say, have it. You say, this is the new king or queen. So, you know. Simba. So, I mean, you as you turn 28 and you're having your first kid, like, what, what are your hopes, your dreams, man, for fatherhood and parenting? Like, lay it on us. All the things. I feel, like, truthfully, I feel like everything in my life has kind of been like through the lens of, well, I want to be this kind of person when I'm a dad and I want to like best prepare myself for that. Like it's, it's always been a dream. It's not something that I like, you know, um, didn't think about growing up. I feel like that was one of the main things that I thought about was like at some day, at some point down the, in the future, I'm going to, I'm going to be a dad and I want to be the best dad. And I want to like know what that, 
means like even you know even career choices like uh things that I have decided to pursue in my life. It was all in, in, in service of um, wanting to be available, wanting to be, um, wanting to be uh, healthy, uh, wanting to be present um, with, with my kids. And uh, so that's the, I, my biggest hope. The thing that I keep thinking about and that kind of drives every decision that I make is, is this going to like allow me to be present, available and healthy? Um, and so, I mean, th that's what comes to mind, like just thinking about like what that looks like. And I think that, um, yeah, like right now, uh, I feel that I'm in not the best shape of my life, like physically, uh, but, um, but mentally, spiritually, I feel like I'm, this is, it, it couldn't have been more like better orchestrated this timeline that we're on. And yeah. I'm really excited about all of it. That's really good, dude. Hey, so um, what are some of your like biggest hopes? And then what are some of your like biggest insecurities? Like, what are you like? Because I mean, when, when when's the due date of Mini, Leo, and Brittany? Uh, July 26th. July 26th. Okay. So it's coming up. What are some of the things that you're like, yeah, I can't wait. And you're like, ooh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't wait to um well just for her to be here. Number yeah. one. Um our Leo, Leo, you can wait, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think like th that my answer kind of comes like two sided. It's it's like I can't wait for her to be here, but I also like uh am barely getting any sleep now. So <laughs> you know oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Like sleep, boy. I haven't slept in four score in a year ago. Yeah, right, right. How old's my oldest kid? Oh yeah, <laughs> I haven't slept in eleven years. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think this answer kind of illustrates what I'm trying to say. Um, I, I think, like prior to us actually, you know, like Brittany actually becoming pregnant, um, I like was excited at the idea of becoming a dad, but scared out of my mind. And so it just wasn't like, let, let, like, you know, keep like, it's, it's on my mind. It's coming soon, but we can wait a little longer. Yeah. And that's kind of just like the, the, um, you know, like my, my thoughts on it at that point. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, there was one conversation that me and Brittany had where she was just saying, you know, like, well, when are you ever really ready? And you're just not. Give me a couple years. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like it was always just like a hypothetical question up until the yeah. point where she was like, well, I'd like for this to be a thing. Like, I like, I think yeah. that like it's time or yeah. like, it's, you know, we're only getting older from here. So like, why not now? Um, once that conversation became a little bit more serious, um, I, I mean, I wasn't really ever like faced with the, the, the weight of like that decision or that weight of like, well, let's do this. And the, like the day, like that, that like night after that conversation, it was just like, you know, all the anxiety, all the stress. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then like shortly soon after that, it just, you know, like like that, like just this unexplainable peace 
like over. yeah it came over me and i was just like you know what it's let's do it let's like yeah. i'm you know like i'm i'm i th i think i'm as ready as i'll ever be and so yeah. let's go and that's the truth. I mean, Quinn, you can attest to that too, right? I mean, it's like you're no. never like ready. You no, know? that's what I was gonna say. Um, no, I mean, I you know, I I felt content with my decision when it came to us because like I felt like we we were hitting the the the, the paradigm markers. Like we were married, check. Like we were a little bit older, check. Like that I felt confident in. You know, I tell you where I got thrown through a loop, and and Leo, I pitch it back to you on this one. Mm. You know, when we first found out we were having a girl. Um, I did not feel equipped to raise a girl. I was like, no, nah, I, I can raise a boy. Like I can teach him how to be a man. You know, I can teach him how to throw a punch and, you know, teach him how to throw a ball. Like I'm not equipped for a daughter. That was my first thought. And um, I was incredible. Now here you are three girls later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three girls later. But, you know, it was it was really, for me, it was a, a place of like, I, it, I don't, it was just traditional paradigm thing. And I was like, I'm not equipped to raise a girl. But I mean, you know, when I met my daughter and I saw my daughter, I was like infatuated in love. And I was like, yep, this is it. Yep, I'm yeah. done. And so like when you think about now, like, you know, you and, and it's a different generation a little bit. But how do you feel about like having kids and having a daughter and, and like that journey for you? I I think for me, um, I've always been just like the more sensitive type. <laughs> And I think that um, with a lot of, um, you know, like my closest friends uh, having like daughters too, um, mm. I think I was a little bit more like in the headspace of like, well, I'd love to be a girl dad too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, over this past year, like girl dad has become a thing. And so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah for sure. I mean, like, um, I think for me, like, it's really funny because we were um, at the ultrasound appointment and um, when we found out uh, the technician was in the, like in the middle of like, you know, like scoping everything out. And she had said, you know, like, Oh, I know what it is, but I got to like show you so you can have proof. And so I'm over here just trying to find like what she's looking like, what she, yeah. what, what, why can't I find, is that a knee? Is that a finger? Is that a face? What is that? I mean, what, what am I looking for? Is this thing, what, is everything okay? No, I, just, like, <laughs> I'm like, I was just like, why can't I find my son's penis? Like, where, yeah. like, <laughs> like, why can't I see, like, if she's yeah, it's taking her yeah. this long to find it, where is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? Poor guy. Poor fellow. We're going to have to work yeah. on that this whole life. <laughs> and then she said, oh, no, this means it's a girl. And I'm like, okay, okay, good. Well, it, it I was telling Brittany, she asked me how I felt about that moment. And I, I told her like, well, number one, I was relieved because I was so stressed for like a good, like two minutes trying to figure out what, <laughs> what, what was I missing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, after that, I was just like, amazing. Like I, I, like, I don't even have an answer for you now because it's still just like, I, I'm still, you know, I'm having a daughter and I have yeah. to keep telling myself that like, I'm, she's coming and she is coming like, you know. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm thrilled about all of it and I'm thrilled about um you know like looking forward to it, to um just I just all of it really. And Dude. can I just address one thing and Sam I'll turn it back to you. You know one of the thing that you Sam you mentioned about 
um, how girl dads has become a thing now. And I think it's important because it is, we're in this time where we're forced to deal with these ideas that we were taught traditionally and what we know. And honestly, I think the idea of men having daughters in the past is, uh, and not even having a son is, is seen of uh, is a uh, shot at the male's masculinity. Like, yeah. oh, you're not a man. You have a you have a daughter, and yeah. I think it's uh, very old school thinking. And I think it is very um, important to recognize that that's not the measure of a man if you have a son. And you know, that's old school thinking. Like, how many wives did Henry VIII have to go through? Uh, you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I think as fathers, it's important to take pride in, in like raising your daughters to be strong, intelligent, confident human beings. Like you can't just say, well, I got a daughter. All right. Well, I'll try again. Like, yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly, man. Wholeheartedly. I think that's I think that's awesome. And I love that the whole like hashtag girl dad has become such a prominent like connecting point for dads who have daughters and for daughter, you know, for girls. Just the whole deal. I, I love it so much. Um Leo, I have another question for you. Yeah. Um, that it's um, I I don't know. I'm just gonna come out with it. I don't know how else to say it. So have you? I'm sure you have. And I don't. Uh, so you are Filipino, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. I knew that. I just wanted to say it like that. So <laughs> I knew you're Filipino. Yeah. As if um, you don't know me oh. already. So. <laughs> so you're Filipino. Brittany is not Filipino. Yes. What? She's just like. Um, Irish, French, Dutch. Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm Irish too. I found out this year. Oh, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go down that road. <laughs> I'm like diehard Irish now. Now that I found out, I took a 23 of me and like, I'm like a big percentage Irish. So I went and bought an Irish t-shirt for St. Patrick's day. Like I am in it, in it, Irish for life. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, have, have you given thought to um, the fact that your daughter will be an interracial child in this culture, in this context? And, especially with the rise of like all the, the Asian hate stuff and all the stuff going down. Like what are your thoughts and feelings and, and dream again, dreams and insecurities and all the things surrounding that, because, you know, you, you were raised in Sterling Heights, which, you know, you had your own unique experience. And so share a little bit about that, about what your thoughts and dreams and hopes and ambitions and just what your thoughts are and all that. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you asking that question specifically, because I think if you were to have asked me that question maybe a couple of weeks ago, um, post, you know, like the, the Atlanta shootings, like I wouldn't have like any good answers. I wouldn't have any like, like uh, any thoughts. Uh, but I feel like this specific thing has been something that I've been like stewing on and trying to like understand and uh, figure out. Um, over the course of this whole year, because there has been, you know, um, a, a general increase in um, uh, violence against Asian people, um, over, like because of the coronavirus, um, but uh, especially since the um, the Atlanta shooting, um, it's been really hard to um, to process. And I think, like processing it through the lens of becoming a, a father to a um, uh, a, you know, a mixed daughter and a Filip Filipina daughter. Um, there, there's been really hard conversations that me and Brittany have, have had um, where, where um, you know, like having to talk to her about my experience and talk, like kind of digging up a lot of old wounds that I hadn't really like um, dealt with and uh, 
I think this past year, um, but especially in in the context of like um, the baby on the way, uh, it's been uh, it's it's been both really challenging and really like heart wrenching to like have to um, sort through all of these thoughts, um, but also like really empowering um, because it's because of all this stuff that I've just you know like I'm doubling down on. Um, my my story my lineage my heritage i'm like pulling up as much as i can to learn as much as i can about uh filipinos in america um and really learning more about my culture and uh finding pride uh in in this because my experience um growing up i feel that um trying to think of what I want to touch on specifically, but uh, my experience as an Asian American in general has always been just kind of like pushing my heritage and my ethnicity and my like culture to the side mm-hmm. in order to not be so visible mm-hmm. in order to not, um, to not draw attention to myself because I already look a certain way. I, I grew up in mostly white um, communities uh, and you know, it, it's it's already pretty obvious that I was was, was different. Me and my family were, were different in in the mix, and so and did it, even into the music in music industry thing as well, right? Like, there's yeah. a strong Filipino presence in the music industry. Is there that I'm at least not that I'm aware of? I mean, there is there there is some, but really not. Um, there is there's some that like I had to find myself. I had to kind of dig for to to look to look for. Yeah. Um, uh, but in terms of just like mainstream, in terms yeah, of cool. like stuff that you just turn on the TV and, and flip through, like there really wasn't anything. And um, and understanding like my experience, understanding that like I I grew up um, just trying to push this all away so that I could maintain safety, um, because you know I have my own experiences with um, racism and prejudice and discrimination based on um, me being Asian. Uh, and so with, with all of that in mind, I've, I've just been trying to think like, what do I want to, what do I want like our, our daughter to, to know? What do I want her to be able to take from what like I've experienced? Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, me and Bernie had some challenging conversations for me, like conflict um, has never been something that I've handled very well because it was kind of, a, a, I'm not going to completely blame like cultural conditioning, but like parts of, you know, uh, Asian culture, like involve, you know, like, um, like pushing off like conflict and, and not like really dealing with it. Um, and so for me, I've had to kind of learn how to stick up for myself. I've had to learn how to um, advocate for myself. And conflict resolution. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I come from a family of uh, <laughs> fighters and Frank, Frank, we'll call them Franks because we, we can be quite frank when we need to be. But, you know, dealing with conflict resolution, you know, I think that's, that's a large part of what you're talking about too. 
um, you know, I, I personally just dealt with it from the, the perspective of not cutting so sharp with those words. You know, they say the tongue is sharper than the sword. And learning how to peel that back a little bit and, you know, put it in there. But it's a very important because, you know, I think a large part of um, coming from a subculture or a different culture in America is yeah having is trying to trying to be cool and be accepted as you and you know sometimes yeah you you have to you know there's sometimes i've i've equated it lately to placating um because you know rather than like making everything a tutorial on your culture and explaining you know why you say uh yo instead of yours or you know why uh you know you do certain things you just kind of let things roll or you just kind of pull away, but it, yeah. it sometimes can eat it. It still eats at you. Like totally. this thing doesn't like, you know, when I punched myself in the chest earlier, I felt that, you know, I kept talking, but I was like, Ooh, maybe you shouldn't have done that kiddo. <laughs> like it's the yeah. same thing, but you know, and, and giving our kids that, I think, you know, for my kids right now, my kids are interracial and, and, you know, I'm I'm trying to explain racism to them and in, in their history, and the challenge we're having with them right now is the reconciliation of that experience to their experience, because their friends aren't like that necessarily. But you know they're still super young, so I'm talking to them about institutionalized racism and like what does that look like, and I'm talking to them about uh, you know what does it mean to have to deal with systematic racism because these are things at a young age that you don't necessarily deal with, um, you know, as much because it's not in the forefront of you. So planting those seeds to help them to prepare because, you know, I think for me, the, the biggest challenge we had was, you know, the thing I'm trying to stop them from is that sting of that first time you experience racism. Yeah. Because it's not going to come from, it might come from a stranger, but if it's a stranger, you feel more than comfortable telling them to like where to go. But the, that sting that's going to come from a friend or someone you trust or someone you love who's going to say something and it's going to hurt a different type of way. And you're going to be like, Ooh, I thought you knew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? And so preparing your kids for that. So yeah. have you, have you and Brittany kind of talked through some of that stuff of like some things that you, some hopes and dreams that you have of ways to coach your daughter and ways to prepare your daughter to kind of handle all of that? Yeah, actually, um, there was one specific instance, one conversation that I, um, that has kind of just shifted a lot of, um, the way that I, that really started this conversation and, and these thoughts, um, you know, Bernie would have had some conflict with, um, you know, like people at school. Um, and in my mind, like when she was telling me all of this stuff, I was just like, you know, like I, I, what I would do in that situation, what I would do in a situation where I felt disrespected by someone is I would typically just kind of like turn the other way and just, you know, like understand like my strength of character and like, you know, uh, someone else having like, you know, um, ill, ill will or like bad feelings doesn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. um, and so just keep moving forward. Um, but like talking to her about it and she was saying, you know, like I like, I deserve to like, you know, stick up for myself in the situation too. I deserve to be heard too. Like she said her piece and, um, mm -hmm. 
Like I, you know, like my, my words hold just as much value. And, um, for me, like that was really, um, like understanding that and understanding like that, uh, two different ways of going about the same situation. Um, it really made me think like, well, what, what do I want our daughter to, to pick up? You know, what, like if, if, if our daughter was faced with this situation, if she felt disrespected by somebody, mm-hmm. what, what would she, like, what would I would prefer her to respond with? And that, you know, sent me in a spiral thinking about all the times that I, you know, like didn't stick mm-hmm. up for myself, all the times that I just kind of like let things go for yeah. the sake of safety, for the sake of, you know, like for the sake of just protecting myself and not putting myself out there further. And, um, and, and I say that it's for, um, you know, because I understand my strength of character and like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what they say, but truthfully, like if I'm being re- honest with myself, I know that it's more so just me trying to turtle, you know, me trying to just well, like, it still hurts. I mean, you know, it's just like when I teach my daughter is how to throw a punch. Um, and you know, I don't teach them to throw punches in general, but I teach them like, if you do it right, it should hurt a little bit. So like when you're connecting with somebody, it should it should hurt you a little bit if you're doing it right. And that pain is to remind you that you are touching them and that this is for real. So don't be afraid it to, to feel that. And that's how it is, I think, when you're dealing with those situations sometimes. It's like, you know, you, you get a little bit worried. You're like, if I just make a little contact, then maybe it'll work. But you know, sometimes it hurts us more and we have to be ready to accept that, that pain coming. Like if you, when you're throwing that punch and you know, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong here. Cause I'm pretty sure like every time I throw a punch hurts a little bit. I mean, I know you guys, <laughs> isn't that right? Don't tell me I mean, I'm punches wrong the whole time. <laughs> I mean, a little bit of lightning, a little bit of thunder, not a lot of pain happening here, baby. Okay. <laughs> this is straight up twisted steel and sex appeal. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well then, all right. I've been doing it wrong. Well, that was, that was all right. But the point is like, yeah, man, because you, you still feel it. Like you still, you know, I've, I've been, the saying is like what people say about them, how you react is about you. But you know, when you talked about that placation, I I totally agree. Cause that's how I felt when George Floyd died. And I tell people, and that's why I'm angry because I felt like in some ways it was kind of my fault that he died because of every time that I let somebody say something slick or every time like I let I walked away and I was like, that's cool. It wasn't cool. And it's something about that that I want to give to my daughters is that lesson. Like, look, listen, I'm not saying you, you need to have confrontation all the time, but you need to let people know. And yeah, so giving them that, you know, that just that ability to do that in a confident way, like, and, and, you know, I, I guess this is my therapy. So you guys pull up the chair. I'll, I'll, I'll send you an invoice. You can send me an invoice. I just want them to, to have that confidence to be like, in that moment, to just walk away from whoever and be like, nah, that's not cool. I'm out. Or you're not going to treat me that way. And I don't care if I have to leave. I don't care if I have to not hang out with these friends because I'm worth more than yeah. this. My value is much higher. And you're not going to treat me that way. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's a, that's like a, that's not a one-time conversation. That's a lifelong thing and teaching yeah. and leading and all of that. And, and it's a journey, man. It really is. Cause you know, it, it'll, they'll, 
they'll react one way when they're seven and another way when they're 10, another way when they're 12, another way when they're 15 and 19 and 23. And, you know, it's like a lifelong thing. And so that, I think that's part of, of, that's part of being a dad is realizing that and realizing that, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to teach them everything they need to know when they're three. They're not going to, you know, it's, it's, it's walking the journey with them. You know what I mean? Definitely. No, that's, that's awesome. And I think, um, you know, while um, you both are saying that, I'm just thinking over here too. Um, how, like, as a Filipino person, as an Asian person, another part of the this is also this sense of um, general invisibility. Um, and I feel like I'm a little bit more empowered to say that because I've talked to more um, of my friends and I've you know done like a lot of um, soul searching and digging to kind of understand this idea but like um as an asian person like you said or like i said uh, culturally we're just kind of um conditioned to put it off to the side and so it's you know what i heard of as asian people refer to in that reference uh the other white meat the other white meat yeah the other white meat like you know they're not white, but they're the other white meat. And and I don't mean that as like to degrade my Asian friends. I mean that to say like of the minorities, Asians are seen as the ones who have been able to integrate the best. Yeah, like but, the model minority myth, that whole thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this idea that like we were able to assimilate better because we don't raise, you know, like raise a concern. We don't like send off the flares. We don't come to our own rescue. Like we're, we're going to eat, you know, like the things that happen to us so that we can continue to move forward for the sake of survival. And, you know, like hearing stories from my family, um, hearing stories from like other people, um, that's, you know, like something that's been even more prevalent now. And when you're, when you, when you're saying like, um, like the punch should hurt a little bit if you're connecting, Mm -hmm. I like over the course since like the Atlanta shooting, like try like I've understood this to be like kind of a like a catalyst for me to start speaking up more, to actually start saying things, to kind of combat like the that sense of invisibility. Um so that like like you said, um like f this feeling of guilt because like the more that I don't speak, the more that it like I'm perpetuating like the, the problems. And if I'm able to speak to the, the issues and that's a better world that I'm creating for our daughter, like that's, you know, like little by little, I'm like just in my own actions, just creating a better like environment for her to be born into. Yeah. That's so good, man. That's true. I love that. Yeah. And you are, man, you are, you taking those little steps because you know, just like we talked, we in the past, we talked about babies need more words and they need to hear your voice and your touch, which I know you're going to be awesome because I know you're going to be singing to that baby and everything, uh, singing to her. Um, you know, they, they need to see you handle that conflict too. You know, like <laughs> growing up, my my dad was uh, akin to John Henry. So not too many people wanted, wanted that smoke. And uh, my mom was fire. So uh, not too many people wanted that smoke either. So between the two of them, I didn't learn how to like have that gentle voice and that soft touch and to talk things through so much. But um, that's something I want my kids to learn, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And that's something that's important for us all to have, regardless of you if you if you're ready for that smoke or not. I mean, you know, a gentle voice will go a lot further than than a, a stern hand can in the long run. So I mean, they both have their place, but it's it's all about being able to reach people. So and I, I know Leo, I know you can do that. So oh, thanks, man. Yeah, that's exciting. Now, now, Brittany, how has Brittany um, sort of played into this? How not played into this, but how has she sort of responded to all this that that you're dealing with and that you're facing? And and you know, I know you said she gave you some great insight that you were able to take and apply to your contacts and say, "Oh, holy crap!" You know, I I should have been doing this or whatever. But yeah, um, has she? What are her thoughts? Of, of this because she, you know, she's raised in, in a white context as a white girl. And so um, her having a, a mixed baby, like how is that affecting her? Like how is she planning and preparing? And are you guys like, yeah, like for sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like these are a lot of the conversations that we're having on a day-to-day -day basis. Like we're, we're really, you know, wanting to understand what this is going to be like. And um, you know, for, for her, I know that like having conversations with me about my experience, about how I'm absorbing, not just my past experience, but how am I absorbing like what's happening now, um, has really kind of just opened up her eyes to, to different things that she didn't even think about, you know, like things that she didn't um, know to be a part of my experience. Um, you know, some things I just don't really ever talk about because, you know, it's whatever, but like, um, and it doesn't like naturally work its way into conversation a lot, I would imagine. No, like, it, like, hey, let me tell you how I was discriminated against. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not really a conversation starter a lot of times. Yeah. Does, does it come up like PTSD? Like something happens and you remember? Yeah, for sure. Definitely that. I think that like, um, you know, I'll, I'll like, there's just been so many different stories. Um, well, let me rewind a little bit. So um, a couple of years ago, um, I, uh, I'll start with this story. So we were driving down the highway. I'm like, you know, going 75, going to 80, driving really fast. And um, Brittany's on her phone and she sees that um, the new host of Blue's Clues is Josh De La Cruz and this, this Filipino guy. And she shows it to me. And I didn't like, like I said, we're driving so fast. But as soon as I saw that picture and like the thoughts raced in my head, I like was uncontrollably sobbing, like driving down the highway, going really fast. I'm like, do I pull over? Like, uh, because how that hit me was understanding that like a Filipino guy being the host of Blues Clues, which was my favorite show as a kid. Yeah. Um, what that what would have what what that would have done for me as a kid what that would yeah. have for me like to, you know, like I remember like being made fun of for being different, but like if Josh is so cool and like, you know, uh, like just so normal to see, you know, yeah, that representation yeah. for all the other children to see that like, yeah, you're, that's, yeah, that's huge. That's awesome. Yeah. And so like, I, I was just sobbing uncontrollably and I like have just, you know, like, I'm as a 28 year old dude without like kids, I was, you know, kind of just keeping up with blues clues more than <laughs> I would expect to. Um, 
Well, now you're about to have a reason to watch uh, it. All. Yeah, buddy, don't worry. You're going to see enough of Blue's Clues and everything. <laughs> my, my kids discover new shows that I, I, I'm i excited to show them stuff that I saw. And they're like, no, Dad, we were watching this LOL doll show. And I'm like, Listen, huh? I can't say outside, 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 everybody outside. I can't say outside without singing that song. And what? Or it's like when they're like, "What time is it?" I'm like, "It's time for lunch." No. Yeah, what time is it? It's time for lunch. Or, you know, Leo, you don't know these things because you, as you begin, bubble puppies, man, it's it'll get you. Once you yeah, get, I'll more circle into, back to this. And <laughs> you get more into the dad fraternity, when somebody yeah. says, "What time is it?" You'll say, "It's time for lunch." It's time for lunch. What line time up, is it? Everybody, line up. Lunch. <laughs> Leo, I gotta, I gotta ask you. You know, um, when you, um, as you're on your journey. Like when you look back, what do we, what do you want to be able to tell yourself about, you know, being a father and like, if well, say look back, I'm sorry. When you look ahead, like, what do you want to tell yourself in the future about being a dad? What do you think? Uh, the only thing that I could think of is just not to worry as much as you are. Like I'm saying that to myself in the future, like don't worry as much as you're worrying right now. Um, Cause if there's anything that like has proven to be true in my life, it's just that like, as long as I'm, you know, like faithful with the steps that I'm taking, as long, as long as I know that I'm like walking in the right trajectory, um, principle of the path, you know, keep walking forward and making sure that, you know, like everything's going to be okay. Just I'm, I'm headed where I'm going and we're headed where we're going. As long as we, we know that we're headed in the right direction, we're going to be okay. And that's something that I need now. And I know that's that's something that I'm going to need to hear from myself. So future me, who is going to rewind and watch this later on, listen to yourself <laughs> right now. Like, yeah, just don't worry as much as you are. Yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. That's good, man. That's good stuff. I'm excited for you, man. Start the. I mean, you've already started the dad journey, right? Like you're already. Yes. You're, you're looking at strollers, thinking that's a dope stroller. <laughs> <laughs> you're like that, that thing really costs five thousand dollars. <laughs> right, right. But you're like. What can I sell to get that stroller? <laughs> Here's some more unsolicited advice. Don't buy the jogging stroller. We all do it. <laughs> no, Nobody does. You, you think you're going to jog more. You will not. You won't. <laughs> and it doesn't fold up as good as the regular strollers. No. So they're just a pain in the butt and you'll never use it. I don't know. I don't know what happens when you have a kid that in your mind, and if you're not a runner anyway, it doesn't even add up. Like, no, you, think, you think, oh, I would totally run if I didn't have this kid. And then you're like, I'll get a jogging stroller. And then you're still not going to run. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. it's And it's going to, you're, you're going to regret that. So take our advice. Unless you, you run now, no. don't go to jogging stroller. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to catch me with a jogging stroller. We're fine. Okay. Well, so, before we let you go, um, I have to ask, uh, is there any, um, uh, where, where can people find you? Um, I know we got this handsome guy that's picture here. You know what I love about your website here is it says spread like, speak life one song at a time. And, what a um, squad, this guy right here. What <laughs> I think that, um, I think what you're, what you do and your ability to tell stories through songs and Everything is amazing. So where can people find you? Yeah. Well, thanks, Glenn. I, uh, <laughs> you know how much coordination uh, is it taking right now? <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can find my stuff at RivalSummers.com. This is the site that's on the screen right now. Um, you can follow uh, my band, Rival Summers. I'm on uh, Instagram, on Facebook. 
Um, more music is on its way. Um, oh, look at that in the, in the in the black T-shirt. What a stud. Look at those guns, hon. Man, with the shadows on the face. My goodness, I'm getting chills. You are a married man, Leo. Stop it. <laughs> man. And if you listen to his music, you'll hear his angelic voice. I mean, come on now. Looking like that and an angelic voice? Jesus. If we're going to hit the jackpot or what? <laughs> oh, man. I have no response to that. <laughs> All right, did you? So I have to ask, Leo, did you give them your uh, Instagram and your uh, Facebook? Say it again for the, the folks in the back of the crowd. Yeah. Ravelsummers.com is the site here on Bravo Summers on Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify, Apple Music. Anywhere you listen to music, just search Bravo Summers, and that is where you'll find me. All right. Awesome, Leo. Oh. Well, we want to thank you again for being a guest on our podcast. We um, definitely appreciate you. And so um, thank you for for uh, coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks, Nerd Dog. Appreciate you, bud. Yeah. Thanks for having me and excited for the, the recap once the baby's actually here. So, yes, yes. Well, we'll I gotta be like, hey man, how you sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leo, we're gonna put you back in the uh, in the green room. Thanks, man. Wow, what yeah, a guy. what a stud, dude! It's cool. It's cool to have a conversation because you sometimes you forget, man. Like, what's it like? Mm -hmm. The anticipation, the excitement, the the yeah. nervousness, the you know, oftentimes insecurity of what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know. You forget what that feeling's like sometimes, you know? Dude, I was totally insecure when I found out I was having a daughter. Like, I just, I felt ill-equipped. I was like, no, me, man, raised boy. Punch. Well, I remember, when we found out, I remember when we found out we were pregnant and and we, we it wasn't like, a, we weren't, I mean, we weren't preventative, you know what I'm saying, but, <laughs> but we weren't like planning necessarily. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought my wife had like a condition that she couldn't get pregnant. Like we thought she had some medical stuff we had to take care of first or whatever. And I remember, man, when she got pregnant, we were like, mm -hmm. uh, what? <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so I remember some of those feelings of, of, man, are we ready for this? Can we handle this? Is this, mm -hmm. man, you know, so it's an, it's an exciting time though, man. It's an exciting time about to have your first kid. That's, that's, it's a time that you'll remember for the rest of your life. You know? I, I, my wife and I both enjoyed our, her first pregnancy. I think like everything was adorable um, to an extent, yeah. maybe more for me than her. Like I enjoyed like her swollen feet and yeah. like body. And the body, listen, that body pillow in the bed. Let me tell you, I, I slept with the body pillow. <laughs> Bro, if you don't think that me and my wife both have our own body pillows at this point in life. If you don't have a body pillow in life, you are missing the boat. You're not doing sleeping correctly. <laughs> and the funny part is the body pillow is like foreshadowing that your bed will never just be the two of you. No, ever. never. No, never again. <laughs> so, um, because, yeah, yeah, that's what you have to look forward to. But, no, it, it's, it's exciting to hear that journey from a new dad and hear those struggles. And, like, you know, I just... when I, I We always ask people what would they tell themselves if they could go back. And I guess I would always tell myself like chill dude you got it like you yeah. are equipped <laughs> like yeah. for whatever comes so yeah and i love i love leo's insight of like you know are, are you ever really ready you know because you're just you're just not you're never nope. really ready you know nope even if you feel like you checked all the boxes you're not ready and, and that's how it is for every kid first kid second kid third kid fourth like as it goes on you're never really ready and but you're always ready 
you yeah. already and and you know I think you don't really get to choose how things work out. Like you just don't, and you just gotta be flexible and you gotta roll with the punches as they come. So True. you know, um, I never thought I would have three kids. I got three kids. So yeah, uh, you know, and you never thought you could raise a girl, and now you're like yeah. killing as a girl dad three times over. Yeah, like I and I wouldn't train trade my children for the world for anything. Right. Right. But I mean, that's just the adventures in parenting. Like now, you know, we deal with how, you know, now it's funny, like my cousin the other day, we were um, at an event. Um, we we're at a funeral, I guess I should say, since we're still in the middle of COVID. You know, set, this, <laughs> set this context correctly. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we were just chatting and, um, and you know, my wife and I, we just uh, leased a new minivan and like, we love it. We're like, this is awesome. It's great. Like, this well, I'm saying, man, strollers, minivans. And, and he was like, he was like, I'm never getting a minivan. And me and my other cousin said at the same time, said every person before they had children. Yes. <laughs> so you can't like, beat the automatic doors, the sliding doors, the TVs. This you just just. I call them Lambo doors. Yeah, it is what it is, man. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> My coworker, she uh, came in with like a Challenger one day and I, I rolled in uh, on another day with my wife's minivan. And I was like, I brought my Lambo doors today. Right. Can your <laughs> Challenger do this? Can yeah. All the doors open at once. <laughs> exactly. My car can transform. Right. <laughs> well, Sam, I think, uh, where can people find us? So hit us up on... Facebook, facebook.com slash dad, the number two. No, no, no. Facebook's the only one that has the real words. Facebook.com slash dad to the bone podcast. All words. Dad yeah. to the bone podcast. If you're looking look at us up on YouTube, we're youtube.com slash dad, the number two, the bone podcast. Again, that's dad, the number two, the bone podcast. And then same thing on Instagram. Dad, the number two, the bone podcast. One more time, dad. The number two, The Bone Podcast. That's where you can connect with us. Uh, we're sharing clips of our show. We're sharing uh, pictures from our daily life, uh, dad stuff. Connect with us if you have questions, comments, uh, good ideas, funny jokes, great stories that we could share on the air. Let us know. We would love, love, love to connect with you on social media. And look for that logo, too. So. Yes. Um, there are many dads to the bones, apparently. But no, there is one dad to the bone. Many imposters. Well, listen, I'm telling you, man. You probably haven't seen this yet, uh, but I saw it. Someone has like somehow when you search for us, like they're in the mix too. And it's like I'm like, how did they do that? It's brilliant. Like I'm yeah. kind of hating, but I'm kind of not because I'm like, uh, uh, reach out. I'm like, so how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> so they come up when we come up, and I'm like, huh. I'm not, and I wouldn't look for these. Look for these uh, super good-looking guys right here. Wait, okay. well, I, was, I was doing my pose. I was right, doing do it again. Do it again. My pose. Look for these super good-looking guys. Yeah, when you see those faces. But um, all right, well, you know how hard it is to point up and sideways at the same time. Have you ever tried that? See, uh, nope. Yeah. See, see, <laughs> see. I see? <laughs> I know go. it's hard, right? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. There we go. That's like, that's like uh, patting your stuff, your head, and rubbing your belly at the same time. <laughs> Not easy, dude. Not easy. All right. Well, that's homework for all of our our watchers yeah. for the day. Practice that for your Zoom work calls. <laughs> Impress all your colleagues and your boss. Look what I can do. <laughs> As they walk you out the virtual door. Yeah. So, like, okay, you're going to the waiting room. 
Yeah. Mute yeah. for the rest of the meeting. Uh, meet us in the breakout room here for a sec. Yeah, right. <laughs> we know you're virtual, but we'd like for you to pack up your home desk and just yeah. <laughs> we got you covered. All right, guys. Well, until next time. Later. Yeah.